But anyway, welcome to The Eight, everyone. Welcome to part three of our series here at The Eight, titled Uncertainty Ahead. Uncertainty Ahead. This summer was stressful for all of us, and it's still stressful for all of us, let's face it. But something I noticed with various uh, crises that I was trying to, to pastor and trying to serve is parents would tell their kids, you need to do this. That's enough screen time. You need to go, whatever. Like, make yourself useful. Don't just sit on the couch and do nothing. Like, you know, and, and, and enough of your phone. Or turn off the iPad or whatever. And, like, it, parents would be telling their kids to do X, Y, and Z. Before the pandemic, it was easy to kind of to, to tell, to tell your kid, do what I say, don't do what I do. Do what I say, but don't do what I do. But then, when, then the kids realize, like, hey, why do I have to, you know, stop watch, you know, watching YouTube when I see my, my dad is, or my mom is sitting there, you know, watching or just scrolling away on his phone, and he's telling me I, I got to put my phone away. Why is that the case? And we end up as parents trying to leverage our positional authority as parents to be an influence. But here's something you and I know, which is what's driving our, our conversation for today. You and I are influenced not by someone's position, but by their influence on us. You and I are influenced. The people that you and I respect the most, if I ask you who influences you the most or you respect the most, has nothing to do with their position. It's about the respect that you have for them. It's the way they lead their life through actions. You and I have some type of authority based on our position based on our position. That is called our positional authority. I have authority over my four-year-old, my, my three-year-old, because of, of my position. I'm dad. I have been entrusted with an authority from the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. This is my position. I've been entrusted with. You have a position in your career. You have a position, and you have authority with that position. But it is limited to your position alone. Your authority related, connected to your position, is only related into the context of your position. For example, you might have authority in your career to, to delegate certain things or to tell people to do certain things, but that is restricted to your position. It is related to the context of that. Your moral authority. Your moral authority. This is where there is alignment between what you say and what you do. This authority, which you and I have experienced this before, this is where we are impacted the most when we see someone's authority, when we see their positional authority align with their morality or their ethics, that we see what they preach or what they say they do themselves. And this is where you and I are impacted the most. You and I are influenced by those who we have the utmost respect for because we see their action lining up with their words. Your moral authority. Your moral authority allows someone to be influential outside a specific context for an indefinite period of time. Something I know about you and me, we want to be influential. We want to have an impact, not only in, this, in, in our limited time frame, but to make a generational impact. And you and I have experiences. I'm preaching to the choir. We are influenced the most by those who align their positional authority with their moral authority. Most of the time it has nothing to do with their position. But we see what they say, they actually live it out themselves. This is important. 
like what we're talking about today, this principle, this the entire essence of this entire series is us going through four random principles for us to get through times of uncertainty, which all times are, are times of uncertainty. But going through these principles would allow us to go further and faster and be more effective in this world if we are able to apply some of these principles. This is important in times of uncertainty when it's easy to say the right thing. It's easy especially in 2020, it's easy to post the right thing as far as what we should say or what we should do about justice. It's easy to say, we should do this. We should stand up for that. But maybe we have that because of our position, maybe our influence online or those around us. But our moral authority will allow us to make a deeper and stronger impact is when there is alignment with what we say and with what we do. Today I want us to look at, a, at an ancient Jewish story of a man named Nehemiah. Nehemiah is one of my favorite Old Testament stories and characters because of his boldness, because of his leadership. There's so many leadership traits that you can learn from Nehemiah that, 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 that are still applicable today, and I love him so much. So this is from the year 444 B.C. Nehemiah was, had a prestigious job. He was an assistant to the king of Persia. King Artaxerxes. I can't say it 10 times fast, but King Artaxerxes I. He's the king of Persia. So uh, Nehemiah had a prestigious role of being the assistant to the king of Persia, one of the most powerful people in the world at the time. He had this itch inside of him. As him being, him being in Persia, he had this itch of wanting to go help his people who were in Judah. Like, he, he is Jewish, his ethnicity is Jewish, but he is being an assistant to the king of Persia. He has been appointed and entrusted with this positional authority. But he had this itch, and he tells the king, you know what, I, I love it here, this is great, I love serving you, this is awesome, like, I, I'm living the best life here. But I have this itch to wanting to go help my people back in my, in my home country. Like, I, I see them struggling, and I, and I feel this itch of wanting to help them. So he, he, so the king says, yeah, sure, Nehemiah, go for it, man. You got it. You know what? To, and to make you go further and faster, I'll give you a positional authority of you appointing you as governor of Judah. So when you get there, people, you give them this letter, they'll know that you are the governor and that you will delegate and lead the people for them to be restored in order to build up that city again. So now Nehemiah has this positional authority as he gets to the king, as he gets to Judah. And everyone respects him because of his positional authority. Because of his positional authority, everyone respects him. And one of the, thing, the, one of the very first things that he did is he started building up the wall. Again, this means nothing to you and me, like, because like, building a wall around a city, we cannot relate. But building a wall around the city, that's your identity. This is your defense. This is what builds you up as a city is when you can start building the wall. So we see tre tremendous amount of leadership skills from Nehemiah as he's building this wall. And I've talked about this, I think, maybe it was a year ago, about this story. And, and I ended up, ever since talking about it, one of my favorite verses, this is my office, by the way. Uh, this is, I guess, a, a man cave for priests. But this is my, this is my office. And, and one of my favorite verses, it's kind of really hard to see. It's in italics. I ended up buying it off uh, Facebook Marketplace, which is a great place to buy used stuff. I ended up buying it this year uh, during the pandemic uh, quarantine. And th the verse says this. As, as, uh, well, let me give you the context. Nehemiah is building the wall. And everyone around him is trying to distract him. I'm saying, that's enough, Nehemiah. Like, come down. Man, what you're doing is useless. But he is so laser-focused on his mission of building the wall, and he's prioritizing this. He easily is, could be easily distracted by doing other things and being spread out thin. But no, he says, you know what? I, this is my job. I need to prioritize this in order for me to lead my people. And he says this. 
I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work building this wall, and I cannot come down. This resonates with me so much because I struggle with time management. I struggle with time management. Like, confession of a priest here, like, I don't have a nine-to-five job, you know? It's, 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 it's uh, like, not, nobody here I don't think has nine-to-five. We're always overworking. But for me, I don't clock in and clock out. I don't have to report to anybody. It's not, I don't have that. So it's easy for me to be spread out thin. I got that phone call. I got that text. I got to make this. I, I, sorry. I, I, I'm tempted to want to leave the dinner table of wanting to, to leave my family. I, I got to take this. I got to do this. I'm always tempted. But I always have to remind myself, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. If I'm doing a great work investing in my marriage, I cannot come down. If I'm investing into my daughter, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. If I'm, when I get emails and calls of wanting to go serve at other places or to go to this conference, I tell them, with all respect, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I have to prioritize my people who I've been entrusted to serve. I have to prioritize my marriage who I've been entrusted to commit to. I have to prioritize my daughter, who I've been entrusted to be a father to. I'm doing great work, and I cannot come down. I can't do it all. And there's things in the church, we're not there yet. But I have to prioritize certain things in order to, to, to say, I'm doing great work, and I cannot come down. And this verse hangs in my office to remind me to prioritize. So when, you know, that, when, I, when somebody asks for another favor or for me to do this or that, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I have no idea why I, why I took a picture of my office, just because I guess maybe I wanted to show you that. I, I like it. I'm so proud of it, too, because I got it really dirt cheap, and I, I take tremendous pride in that. So, I, 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 yeah, I'm very proud of that. <laughs> I also have this other thing I got from Facebook Marketplace. This, I feel like this is a, a, an advertisement. It says, the most important work will be done in the walls of this home. This reminds me. The most important work for me is done in the walls of this home. Um, and then I got the 6th century icon. I mean, the icon's not from the 6th century. It's a replica. But it's an icon from the 6th century from a monastery in Egypt uh, of, of Jesus. I don't want to get into that. And then um, this is an icon from an iconographer from Eng England, which he spoke at the aid earlier this year. His name is Fadi Mikhail. Uh, this is his, his, his uh, icon of the creation. I love it. These things kind of inspire me. Why am I talking about my office? Let me figure out why. I lost track here. He built the wall. Nehemiah built the wall. Ignore. We're moving on past my office. Nehemiah finished building the wall. But he noticed there was a bigger problem besides the wall being rebuilt in the city of Judah, as him being governor. He realized there was a bigger issue. As the people, as the Jewish people are trying to rebuild the city, bear with me, Nehemiah, I'm giving you a recap of the story. As they're rebuilding the city, they needed money to rebuild the city. So they ended up getting loans from different foreign people from outside. They ended up taking loans in order to rebuild the city. And as they're taking loans, there's an interest involved. So they had to eventually had to pay back their interest of them rebuilding their city of Judah. But Nehemiah started noticing something of him being the governor. That his own people were then loaning money to their own people, to each other, but with high interest and with collateral. That he started noticing, not only with foreigners, but now if, 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 if my brother needs to borrow money, I say, hey, here's money, but you know, there's a 14% interest rate and, and I own your car and I own your house. Well, there's no car, but I own your house and I own whatever. There was a collateral involved in there being a high interest loan. And this really got under the skin of Nehemiah. This is where we pick up. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I was very angry to hear that they're having this, this they're, they're giving high interest charges and, and loans to each other, to their own people within their own city. 
I pondered then in my mind and then accused the nobles and the officers. I, I, I accused the leaders, the current leaders of the city. Why I love this stuck out to me, I pondered. Because think about it. I mean, you, I've done this, and I'm sure you have. We act out of, out of emotion, and, man, we look back and say, man, did I, why did I say that? Why did I behave that way? Why did I say that? But him being such a wise leader, he pondered. He took a step back. Him being so emotionally charged of how they're behaving and how they're acting to each other, he was fired up. But he said, I pondered. I pondered, then in my mind, and then I accused the nobles and the officials. I told them, you are charging your own people interest? So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as people, as far as possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. He's saying, I, we have bought back, we, we have mended our, our loans that we took out before. We've done everything possible to bring, to, to clear all our loans. Now you're selling your own people? only for them to be sold back to us? They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. They're being called out. They're like, yeah, you know what? Nehemiah has a point. Man, we just, we just, we just checked. We, 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 we have zero loans, and now we're doing this to our own people? I have nothing to say. They kept quiet because they could not find nothing to say. So I continued. This is the journal of Nehemiah, but it's just writing from first person. So, so I, I, Nehemiah continued. What are you doing? What you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain. But let us stop charging interest. What gives so much weight to, ne to Nehemiah's words is not him saying, guys, don't charge interest to people. No, what gave him so much weight is he led through his action. He paid off the loans. He didn't just tell them, you guys, you guys need to do this. You need to be, don't have high interest uh, loan to each other. No, he led by his own action. He has positional authority as him being governor of Judah. But what gave him more of an impact and influence as a leader during these times of uncertainty is his moral authority. Nehemiah says, give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses. Don't hold any collateral against them and also the interest you are charging them, 1% of the money, grain, wine, uh, new wine, and olive oil. We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. They did what Nehemiah said, not because he was the governor of Judah. It's because his actions spoke louder than his words. You get this. You've heard this since third grade. But this is what it influenced them to follow Nehemiah. Not his words, but his actions. Then I, Nehemiah, summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath. This is equivalent to like them take, like putting their hand on the Bible. Took an oath to do what they had promised. I also shook out the folds of my robe and said, In this way, may God shake out of their house and possessions anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. At this, the whole assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord. They were not, only, they, not only were they having blind obedience to, to Nehemiah, they were motivated, they were pumped about following what Nehemiah said. Again, not because of his words, because his actions. And the people did as they had promised. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, until his 32nd year, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. 
just to give you historical context. He has power. He has, he has a prestigious job. He can have all the food he wants, but he led by action, by saying, okay, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm wanting to serve others, I'm not going to, to use my power, my influence, and just take all this food for myself. No, for 12 years, I'm going to lead by serving, by action. I'm going to allow my, my moral authority lead as opposed to my positional authority. What gave him so much leverage and authority was the past 12 years of him leading. What empowered Nehemiah to lead his people was 12 years of aligning his words with his action. For parents, this is convicting to me. But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded, overpowered it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Twelve years of him being persistent and persevering, of allowing his action to speak louder than his words, this is what allowed him to be influential. You want to be influential. You want to make an impact in your career, in your marriage, in relationships with your kids. You'll, if you look at your parents, regardless of your age, your respect for them, or lack of respect, is not because of what they said. It's because of the life they lived. And you want the same for yourself. An early Christian by the name of St. Gregory of Sinai, he's an Eastern Orthodox monk in the 14th century, he said this, Inner disposition changes outward nation, the nature. So disposition is like your inner quality or your morals within. Your, your, your inner morality, your ethical code, your inner disposition changes your outward nature. Basically, what, what, what's, what, what, what lines your ethics from within will naturally reflect outside. Like the, I mean, it, it, there, there's a saying, I couldn't find out who said it, but I, I heard it one time. Is, you tell me what you believe, and I'll tell you how you'll behave. You tell me what you believe, and I'll tell you how you'll behave. So St. Gregory says this, inner disposition, inner, um, inner life qualities, inner morality, inner ethics, changes in outward nature. And acts of moral choice alter the way that nature functions. Acts of moral choice alter the way that nature functions. Acting on your morality. Acting of moral choice alters the way that nature functions. Impact can only happen through our actions as opposed to just our words. I'm making this a big point in the year 2020. This will, these are timeless truths, right? This, this, is, this is the reality of God. But this is more important now than ever. When it's easy to just say, we need to raise money for this, or we need to stand up for this, it's easy. It's easy to sign this and to give a thumbs up for that and say, yeah, this. But if our actions, if that's not being executed and applied in our day-to-day -day actions then what's a good post going to do? Here is a convicting question for you and me. How do you respond to authority? 
how do you respond to authority? If you want to be over people and to influence others, then you have to ask, what is your response to those who are over you? If you're wanting to be over someone, ask yourself, what is your response to you being under someone else? What is your response to authority? Forgive me, I'm not wanting to be this political, but I ran into a couple of people I ended up talking to over the past few weeks. And they say, you know, Biden's not, uh, Joe Biden is not my president. I said, excuse me? How, like, and, and, and this person was saying it, like, in, in, in a public setting. Like, how do you want your, I didn't say it out loud, but I wanted to. I'd be like, how do you want your kids, how do you expect your kids to, to, to honor you? If, you? if you're not wanting to honor and submit to the authorities that are above you, you can have your own opinion. But at the end of the day, if you're not honoring and submitting to those who have been entrusted with a divine responsibility, then how on earth do you expect people to do that to you? I don't want to say I lost respect for those people, but, you know, it, you just start questioning. Like, how, I, I, how, like if, if, if I'm saying that, I'm saying this person's not my president anymore, I, I, then how, how am I having any reverence toward God? It's a direct reflection of that. If I'm not having, like, if, 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 if I'm saying that about the authorities uh, around me, then I'm, I'm basically saying that about God as well. Then I'm going to justify, well, then I'm not going to, uh, you know, submit to God on X, Y, and Z. Then I'm able to cut corners. What is your response to authority? You shy away from it? You, you, you have this grudge or bitterness? What is your response to authority? If it's hard for you to be under someone, then it's impossible for you to be over someone. Walking your talk. Walking your talk puts the one who is certain over you. Walking your talk puts the one who is certain over you and leads others to him. You and I have been entrusted in a leadership role to some capacity. I promise you that. If you don't see that, I'd love for us to talk. You have someone looking at you. But the only way for you to influence them is for there to be an alignment of what you believe and what you say and what you act. It's not your positional authority. I pray that none of us here fall into that trap of just, well, I'm, now I'm going off topic. I remember at, at a premarital, like at a, like a marriage enrichment thing that Sarah and I did, anytime a husband would say, well, you, uh, you better because I'm the husband, that, that is the most cancerous thing you could possibly ever say. Because then you're leveraging your positional authority. Why don't you lead by submitting and serving your wife as opposed to saying, well, I, I sh you should because I'm the husband. That is death to a marriage. I'm not just saying this in the context of marriage. What I'm saying for us moving forward, let's leverage our moral authority as opposed to our positional authority. If we're wanting to make an impact in this world, and I know you are, but it requires us to ask this question. How do you respond to authority? Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, it's easy for every one of us to just be like just overwhelmed and just all into our positional authority. Well, I'm this. Well, I'm that. And I have this authority. And 
I have this power. But Lord, we know that this toxic mindset can, can paralyze us, can debilitate us, and allow us to lose influence and impact to those around us. Lord, we know that who we are is being a divine reflection of you. We have been entrusted with responsibilities and authority in this world. We have been entrusted with this. And for us to lead others and for us to lead ourselves, we submit ourselves to you. We honor you. We glorify you. And we love you. Lord, I pray that for myself and for our entire church family, that what we say can align with what we do. Regardless if we're a parent and not a parent, in our career, with our friends, that there can be an alignment. Because this is where impact can occur, not only for us to be transformed, but for those around us. It's easy for us to fall into the trap of just being just so focused on our positional authority. But Lord, let us leverage our positional authority and align that with our morality, which comes from you. Through the prayers of Nehemiah and all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, guys. We will wrap up this series next Sunday.